This evening we are looking at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. Verse 16 of the second chapter of the first epistle of John. This is what it says. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but from this world. Now, if you notice this for is the connecting verse to, word to the previous verse. Verse 15 says, Do not love the world, and neither the things that are in the world. For if, the love, if any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. So to explain this portion of if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, then John expands it further. Okay? By he says, why the love of the world will displace the love of God. Now, when it says all that is in the world, you know, now we must remember that what John is speaking about is not the inanimate or the material objects of the world, but he's speaking about the anti-God attitudes of the world, the mindset of the world. So he's not speaking about you know, the physical elements in the world, but he is speaking about the world system, the world view, the belief systems of the world. And he explains this in, a, in these three, threefold in a aspect of lust of the eyes, in a, in a lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, if you notice these three, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride, boastful pride of life, you know, it's been, uh, now if you were to say, the nutshell you know, or the broad framework of all the temptations. So right from the first stage in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, when Satan tempted Eve, we find that she saw that the forbidden fruit was good for food. You know? That is the lust of the flesh. She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. It appealed to the lust of the eyes. And she also saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise, which is the pride of life. And the same pattern also occurs in, Je in Satan's temptation of Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, where Satan urged Jesus to turn the stones into bread, which is the lust of the flesh, he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, offering them to him, which is the lust of the eyes. And he encouraged him to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, which could have been a source of pride in this miraculous uh, accomplishment. So when you're looking at this, what he's saying is, you know, he's explaining what worldliness is all about. He's explaining what the love of the world is all about. And he starts off by saying, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. When it says the lust of the flesh, it primarily means the desire, the lustful desires that is there in the flesh. Not the desire for the flesh, but the sinful desires that are there in the sinful nature, because the sinful nature is there okay so he's primarily speaking about the the root desires of the the flesh the root desires of the flesh the lust of the flesh is the desire to do something apart from the will of god okay 
that's the sinful nature. You know, when man says, I want to be God, I want to do the way things I want to do, I don't want to respond to what God tells me to do, that is the lust of the flesh, the desire to do something apart from the will of God. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have, have something apart from the will of God. And God says, okay, this is not my will. You still say, no, I want to have it, you know, because it seems good to me. That's the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is the desire to be something apart from the will of God. The desire for prominence, you know, the desire for position, the desire not to be the servant as the Lord wants, you know, but to be the boss. That is the pride of life. Now, when you're looking at this word lust, okay, when you're looking at the word lust, it primarily means, you know, a craving, a craving, you know, an intense you know, passion for something. So when you're speaking about, you know, lust of the flesh, you know, it's speaking about something that you have this intense passion for, which stems from our sinful nature, which primarily is saying, I don't want to listen to God. I would rather do what I want to do. So lust occurs in our mind and not our you know, physical actions per se, but it often from the mind, then it would lead to physical action. That's why James, if you notice in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust, by his own passions. Then when lust has conceived, it goes birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So it starts in the mind, the attitude that says, you know, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I would rather do what I want to do. That's the self which is in control. And that is what this, you know, the lust of the flesh is all about. It would lead then to those fleshly desires. It would lead to sinful actions, but it starts with this lust in the mind. Oswald Chambers put it across this way when he said that love can wait and worship endlessly. Lust says, I must have it at once. Okay? The basic difference between lust and love is that love is willing to wait. Love gives. But lust says, I want it immediately. And it's lust always grabs. And that's the, another picture over here. When John is writing and says, anybody, you know, who has this lust of the flesh, you know, stemming from their sinful nature and has given into it and says, look, I want my way, not God's way. Then he's saying, how can the love of the Father dwell in that person? Now, as believers, we need to understand that you know, the sinful nature has not been removed. You know, once we come to know, you know see the Lord face to face, the scripture says, we shall be like him when we see him. But here another sinful nature is still there. But the advantage as believers today is that now we also have God's nature. So we have that constant you know, pressure in our lives, you know, one way which is saying, hey, do it your way, and another way which says, do it God's way. So if any man listens to the voice of the lust of the flesh to do his own thing, his own way, he has given in to his voice of the lust of the flesh. You know? 
But God says, if you are led by the Spirit, we have to learn to say yes to God and say no to this lustful desires. Now, an unbeliever can only live in the flesh, isn't it? That's, you know, that is their basic thing. They don't have any other power, so they live the way they want to. They are, the constant emphasis is, this is my way, I did it my way. Now, the whole emphasis of the world is, you know, and I, I want to do the things you know, the way I want to do it. That is the, the attitude of a godless individual. But a believer doesn't have that attitude. But there's also that pressure to say, hey, look at this seems appealing. And that is where we need to learn by the power of the Spirit to say no to the lust of the flesh and say yes to the Spirit of God. Now, when it comes to the lust of the eyes, okay, the lust of the eyes is I see it and I want it. I see it and I want it. If you notice in the Old Testament, we have the classic example of Hakan, you know, in Joshua chapter 7, where, you know, he saw something among the spoil, you know, okay, and then he coveted it, and then he took it, and then he concealed it, okay. Look at the stages. It all started off by what he saw, what he saw. It appealed to the eyes. If you notice in Samson, Samson, for example, the first recorded words of him in the scriptures is, I saw this girl and I want it. So the whole emphasis is it is appealing to the eyes. And the lust of the eyes refers to the passionate cravings of the eyes for satisfaction. And their cravings definitely find it from the evil, sinful nature. Now, we must be careful what we are feeding our eyes into, you know, because through the eye gate, you know, those desires can be aroused in our sinful nature and we can give in to it. So what do you watch, you know? What do you read? What are the things that go into your mind? Now, these are different aspects when we can think of. David, for example, again, when you think about his sin, you know, he saw Bathsheba and he took the next steps and that led even to adultery and murder. And this is why in Psalm 101 and verse 3, he says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I will set no worthless things before my eyes. He learned from his mistake and he said, look here, I want to make sure that I'm going to put a guard on what I am seeing. Now, the lust of the eyes need not be only the fleshly sexual desires, you know, but it could be finery of any kind. You know, it could be, I want to, I've seen a bigger house, I want a bigger place, I want this, you know, it looks very appealing to the eyes. It could be anything that is material, okay? And he says, you look at it and say, it appeals to the eye. And if you notice, that is the world that we live in. The advertising world that we live in is constantly coming up with images motivating us to say, if only you could buy that. You're seeing that, visuals are there, that will give you satisfaction. Now, you know, it is dangerous if we go into that system, because no matter how much you buy, whatever the world is saying you buy, you'll get satisfaction, you will never be satisfied. That's the lust of the eyes, looking at something and saying, I want it. Now, be careful, make sure that you don't have that 
attitude. That's the attitude of the world. The world says, the more I buy, the more I see, the more I want, and, uh, and there's no end to the want. But the believer learns to say no. The third aspect is the boastful pride of life. The boastful pride of life. You know? Another translation, the Greek translation will say the pretension of human life. The pretension of human life. Adam Clark writes, boastful pride of life speaks of hunting after honors, titles, you know, and degrees, boasting of ancestry, family connections, great offices, honorable acquaintance, and the like. In other words, this is speaking about, you know, something that you have, but you want to push it further, okay? And you want to boast about what you do have now. Now, a lot of people, you know, would want to flaunt their ancestry, flaunt their degrees, you know, flaunt their positions, you know, and want to make sure that people give them credit, you know, for what they have done. If you say, okay, isn't it rightful that you know, it has to be done, but be careful, that can lead to a boastful pride of life. Remember, while the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes refer to the desire to have what you do not have, the boastful pride of life refers to the sinful pride over what you do have. It is the desire to do better than others so that you can glory in yourself and your accomplishments, to flaunt in a, your success, not recognizing that it is not because of you, it is because of God that you are where you are. Think for a moment of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30 we read, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? When pride got into his head and said, Hey, I built this city. This is my kingdom. You know, I am the king. You know, he wanted to get all the glory. What does the Bible say? The scripture is very clear that God immediately drove him out into the fields to live as a wild beast until his heart was humbled. Until his heart was humbled. So, we must ask ourselves, hey, this is the temptations, categories, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every time we must be careful, we must be careful that we do not give in to the, uh, you know, the plots you know, of Satan to tempt us in these areas. Put a guard, put a guard over your mind, put a guard over what you're seeing, put a guard over your feelings and make sure that you are only looking at what God is doing in your life. Because you know, a man who is, you know, can be outwardly conformed to the Christian way of life but inwardly conform to the spirit of this world. And this is how we can check up. You know? We can check up what is really in charge in your life. Is it the things of God or is it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life? Remember, if Christ is the one who is attracting us, then the world can never really attract us. So we must ask ourselves even this evening, you know, what is pulling you, you know? If the world is pulling you, 
And the Lord is saying, check it out in these three categories. You know, the world is pulling you. The scripture is very clear. The love of the Father is not in you. Let me close with this and an illustration which would help us to understand this truth better. The story is told of a man who bought a new hunting dog. And eager to see how the dog will perform, the man took him out you know, to track a bear. No sooner had they got into the woods that the dog picked up the trail. Suddenly he stopped, sniffed the ground and headed in a new direction. Why? He had caught the scent of a deer that had crossed the bear's path. And a few moments, moments later he halted again and this time smelt a rabbit that had crossed the path of the deer. On and on it went until finally the breathless hunter caught up with his dog only to find him barking triumphantly down the hole of a field mouse. Sometimes Christians are like that hunting dog. We can start out on the right trail following Christ, but sooner or later our attention can be diverted to things of lesser importance. And before we know what, you know, one pursuit of the lust of the eyes, one pursuit of the lust of the flesh, you know, one pursuit of the pride of life you know, leads us further and further. You know. Our attentions are diverted and we are strayed far away from our original purpose. Think for about Demas, where Paul writes about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. So each day we must ask ourselves in these three categories, you know, you know, are we yielding to them in any way? You know, that's Satan's ploy. All temptations are put into one of these three. And let's make sure if we really love God, we would not give in to it. And we have the power not to give in to it. And we also have the buffer system inside of us not to give in. How? When our strength is from the Lord, when our attraction is for the Lord, if that supersedes the attraction of the world, then we don't give in. But if the attraction for the world supersedes our attraction for God, we would easily give in. So this evening, time for examination, check up, you know, have we strayed away in any way and, you know, as it is spoken about the church at Ephesus, they lost, no, they left their first love. It doesn't say somewhere along the line they, left, no, they lost it. No, they left it. No, they left it. It was little by little, little by little. And before they knew it, they had wandered away. So my prayer for each of us this evening is that you know, we would evaluate our lives in the light of God's word to make sure that our attraction for God is far, far greater than the attraction for anything that the world is offering us. Because if we are satisfied with God, what he is offering us, then nothing that the world can give us can truly satisfy. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.